So the speaker for Kiwaskam this morning is a woman named Kate McCord, who I was introduced to by her book. Um, a few years ago, my sister-in-law gave me an excellent book called In the Land of the Blue Burkas, which tells the story of Kate's years living in, of all places, Afghanistan. And as I would be reading this book, I would say, Mike, you have to listen to this. Mike, you have to listen to this. This is amazing. Because Kate studied and figured out and prayed about ways for how to change the conversation in all of her situations to bring Jesus into them. And my desire was, I wish I could just download all of her information and stories into my own head so that I would know how to share with people. And so it's a great privilege to have her with us today, and she's going to be talking a little bit about that very thing. Please welcome Kate McCord. Hi, everyone. Oh, I try that again. Hi, everyone. Yay, I got a high cap. Oh, look at that little ninny gack. That means a really small baby. How old is that baby? Oh, my. Oh, he's so cute. She's so cute. What's her name? Ella. So here's the thing I miss about Afghanistan. As a woman in Afghanistan, I can walk up to any baby anywhere and take them. We don't do that in America. What a privilege to be here. I, had a, I enjoyed driving down to this town, and I was, I was thinking it's a cute town. How do you say it? Kiwasam, which I'm pretty sure is an Indian name, which probably means something like what? So my name is Kate McCord. I lived in Afghanistan for nine years, and um, I'm going to try to fall, not to fall off this stage. And if I do, don't laugh too loudly at me. Just a little. It's okay. I had a poster. So I went to Afghanistan from New Jersey. I'm from the, the eastern area. Actually, I'm originally from Louisville, but that's another story. And I had this poster of farmland, green, beautiful farmland. And that part of America is a little more hilly than it is here. I know you think it, maybe it's hilly here, but it's beautiful green farmland and a barn in the foreground. And I took this poster and to Afghanistan, and I put it on my wall in my little house in Afghanistan. And when I did that, one of my Afghan friends, a woman named Mariam, she looked at my poster and she said, Kate, where is that? And I said, well, that's home. And she said, if I came from somewhere like that, I'd never come here. <laughs> and that's what I thought about as we were... As we were driving up here this morning, we have been graced. We have been gifted in the place that God has planted us as a, as a people. Uh, for me, I did go to Afghanistan. And I counted a privilege, and it was hard to go. And I, I want to tell you a little bit about the going, because that, that seems a common question. Do you want to know kind of why I wound up going there? Okay. So first of all, I wasn't looking for a mission anywhere in the world. I had one. I had a good life. I had a little house in a beautiful place. I had a wonderful church. I had neat friends and a Saab 900 convertible <laughs> that I looked good in. But what I wanted was to be living a life in response to God's invitation to mine, no matter what that invitation was. 
And for a long time, that was an invitation to work in the corporate world. And I did a lot of flying around the world, and I worked with people who made a lot of money and were never in their hometowns on Sunday mornings. And I got to share Jesus in some amazing places with amazing people. And I knew the sweetness of God's call on that. But then I began to sense God saying, Kate, I have something else for you. I have something different for you. And honestly, I thought something different meant that I would stay home and stop traveling. Not God's idea. And God caught my attention with Afghanistan. It came through a book I picked up at at an airport. And I just couldn't get Afghanistan out of my heart, out of my head. That was back in 2000. The winter of 2000, and I just kept praying for the country. Be careful what you pray for. Because where you pray, your heart will go. And I just fell in love with Afghanistan and the people of Afghanistan. It was in 2000, and we couldn't possibly go there. At the time, the Taliban were in charge. And I I still told my small group, I think God is inviting me to get involved in Afghanistan. But I was pretty sure that meant send money. That's safe, isn't it? Okay, Sending money is important, and praying is important. And sometimes God invites us to do those things, and sometimes God invites us to go. And what we want to do is respond, or at least what I wanted to do, was do exactly what God was inviting me into. But I didn't want to get ahead of him. I didn't want to say, well, you know, I just think that God is inviting me to quit my career and move over to Afghanistan, when actually all he was inviting me to do was to pray and and to send money. But as that year unfolded, I just couldn't get Afghanistan out of my heart. And then 9-11 happened. And the moment it happened, I knew that I knew that I knew that I was going to Afghanistan. And, and with that came a sense of yes and amen and are you nuts? All kind of wrapped together. But I knew that I knew that I wanted to be about what God was calling me to do. Because I don't know if you've experienced this, but when we step into God's invitation, it's not necessarily, you know, ice skating. Sometimes it's hard, but there's a joy in it, isn't there? There's a sense of, yeah, this is exactly where I want to be. This is exactly what I want to be doing. And, and that's what I experienced in, in going to Afghanistan. So I I got there. I did sell my house and my car and my career. And honestly, people at the time, I cried, by the way, when I sold my house. I cried. And all my you know loving brothers and sisters said, what are you crying for? You want to go to Afghanistan? I said, because it's hard. It's hard. Sometimes walking into the invitation of God in our lives requires some sacrifice. And that sometimes the sacrifice is hard. And and I'm betting that some of you have experienced that. I'm betting that some of you have taken on a role, whether it's a ministry or a role in a family. Maybe some of you are taking care of uh, elderly parents or some of you are taking care of grandchildren. You've taken on a role that you didn't expect and it was hard. Maybe. But if we know that that's what God is calling us to do. We walk in it, don't we? We trust that God is with us. We trust that God is leading us, and we expect God to show up. At least I expected God to show up. So um, go ahead and advance the slide. So I went to Afghanistan, and when my, my church prayed me off, I haven't fallen yet. 
my church, my church prayed me off and everybody said, yes, you know, John the Baptist, go <laughs> bring the gospel to Afghanistan. And I felt so strong and so empowered. And then I got off the plane in Afghanistan and I went, now what? But has that, has that ever happened to you where you've walked into a ministry? He's laughing. What was it? Oh, he's just thinking I'm a geek. Ah! Has it ever happened where you walked into a ministry and you think you, you thought you knew what you were going to do? And then as soon as you started it, you said, wow, how did I get here? Like it happens, right? Now I don't know what to do. Is this your first child? Your third. You're good at this now. Do you remember the first? Did you think, oh, no, what have we done? Yeah. Where was the tape in the hospital that told me how to be a parent? And that's what I felt like. I felt like, man, I don't know how to do this. And what a great place to be with God. Because here's the thing. The God who invites us is also the God who leads us. And as a really smart American, I figured when I went to Afghanistan, I needed to have the answers. I needed to have a plan. I needed to have a strategy. Because I am smart, and I used to work in corporate, and I'm good at strategies. And nothing. I mean, I got there, and my only strategy was I have to get to know my neighbors. And then we'll go from there. So I I learned some things along the way. One of the things I learned is that being dumb is really good. It's really, really good because when we don't know what to do, we open our hands before God and we say, you know what? You brought me to this brick wall. Now it's your job to show me the door because I can't find it on my own. And when we do that with humility, God can lead us. God can lead us. God can show us how to walk into this next season. And seriously, if there had been a book about how to share the gospel, share Jesus' love, Jesus' truth, Jesus' presence with Afghans, I would have read it and done it slavishly. But there wasn't, which was fantastic because it meant that I had to ask him, how do I do this? Can you go to the next slide, please? So what I realized in going to Afghanistan is that we all have a story I had a story of myself. By the way, my story included smart. Yes, smile at that. Imagine now I'm in Afghanistan and I speak like a a one-and-a-half-year-old. And my story included competent and knows the answers. I had a story about myself, and that was a little frustrating. I also had a story about the Afghans uh, whom I met. I had a story about who they were, where they were from, what they believed. I had a story about them. Some of that story was accurate. Some of it was not. And I think you can relate to this, where you walk into a situation and you actually have a story about the people that you're interacting with. And you may think you know who they are, and you may think you know what they need. Did you hear the emphasis on think? Because I was smart. So when I got there, I thought I knew this is what I have to do. But what I realized in Afghanistan, actually, was that my story is not the really important story. My story of my Afghan neighbor and their story of me wasn't all that important. What I learned, can you advance the slide? What I learned is that there is always a deeper story. And the deeper story is Jesus' story of me and of my neighbor. Now, this is important. It proved to be important for me. See, when I went to Afghanistan, I wanted people to like me. I actually want you to like me. Do you like me? Say yes. 
Well done. Cara, do you like me? It's important to me, and I want you to think I'm kind of smart, too. Not too smart, but kind of smart. Like, I, I want some things. But the thing that was really important for me in Afghanistan was to recognize that actually Jesus' story is more important than mine. And Jesus' story doesn't change. And it's not about whether my neighbor in Afghanistan or here in America really likes me. It's about whether or not they meet Jesus. That's the thing that's important. Do they meet Jesus? Because Jesus has a story and Jesus is with us in every place right here in this auditorium of this. Are we in a high school? I did not have comfortable seats like this when I went to high school. Did you? Thank you. Because, man, they were like wood or something. They were excruciating. My friend has a story of Jesus. She may not know him. She may know him a little. Jesus has a story of her. Jesus' story does not change. My story and my friend's story of Jesus changes, just like our stories of each other changes. But Jesus' story is consistent. Can I have the next slide? And this is, was so important for me to wrap my mind around. Jesus, yeah, just make that, yeah, do what it's going to do. When Jesus looks at my Afghan friend, let's call her Aziza. When Jesus looks at Aziza, he says, I knew you when you were formed in your mother's womb. Before Kate was formed in her womb, I knew you and loved you. Before it ever occurred to Kate to come here and sit in your house and drink tea and tell you about me, I loved you. This is Jesus' story about Aziza. It's also his story about me. I came to faith at 25. And, and I was a wild child. And yet, Jesus says to me, Kate, when you were 15 and in a different auditorium, in a different high school, not being a very polite child, I loved you. And he says to you and to, to Kara and, and to, what is her name, Elena? Ella, such a beautiful name. Right, stand up, please. Please, can you actually come up here? (laughs) This is what happens when I get a baby to play with. Okay, but don't trip over the wires. Don't just don't trip over the wires. What does Jesus say to Ella? I love you. I know you. I see you right here. Can I kiss her? What does Ella know about Jesus? She doesn't know very much. She knows the smell and heartbeat of her parents. She knows where to she knows where to find her comfort and her sustenance, right? But she cannot tell you a word about theology. Can she? And yet Jesus says, "I see you." I love you. I have your name written on the palms of my hands. What's your name? And what does Jesus say about Sharice? The same thing, right? 
The very same thing. So when I was 15 and sitting in a different auditorium and really being a not good kid, I was nice, but that was about all. Jesus was still saying, I love you. I want you to know me. I'm here with you. And when I'm sitting in Afghanistan in a room with an Afghan mom and her Afghan baby, Jesus is saying to her, here's my story of you. My story of you is that I have known you since the foundations of the world. I have plans and purposes for you. Come to me. How's that feel? That's awesome, isn't it? Can, you, can we thank Cherise for bringing Ella here? Thank you. Be careful on the way down. Thank you for letting me do that. Because when, sometimes when we go off and, and you know, I'm the evangelist. Like I'm bringing Jesus who's never been there. It's just not true. He's been there. He's been in their lives. I remember thinking I was kind of arguing about authority with Jesus. And, you know, where do I get the authority to tell people that you're God, for one thing, you know, and they kind of don't have the right ticket. And Jesus said, hang on, Kate. I was there when they were formed in their mother's womb. I was there when they were born. I was there when they were sold off into marriage. I was there when they brought forth their first children. I have the right. I love them. And my job, your job, Kate, your opportunity is to give words to my story in their lives. You kind of with me on that? How's that feel? Like for me, there was a freedom there. I don't have to be smart. I don't have to figure it out, which is really important because I don't know about you, but I am a lousy mind reader. Some of you are good at it. I am not. But Jesus is. So here's what I learned in Afghanistan. The foundation, the foundation, the most important thing is that when I walk into a home, whether it's in Afghanistan or a train station or a bus station in America, Jesus is already there. And he has a story and he loves that person with whom I'm speaking. Can you go to the next slide? So my responsibility is to give voice to Jesus's heart, to what Jesus wants to say. In that situation, my responsibility is to bring Jesus into the conversation because he's here. It's not like he's tucked back at my house with my poster of Pennsylvania farmland and I have to, I have to explain to you who he is. It's I get to share with you his presence in your life. Now, how, how, do, I, how do I do that? And I I want to stress this, that as we do this, our story of Jesus changes. So I'm sharing these Jesus stories with people, and their story of Jesus changes. I had a young adult who came from the United States. She was great. She was theologically reformed. And I I don't know if you know much about theologically reformed, but they they have to bring the entire Bible into every conversation. This is really hard when, you know, your language skills are about that much. And Jesus, I just want to introduce people to Jesus. I just want to tell them about Jesus. I just want them to see Jesus in their midst, Jesus. Because as people fall in love with Jesus, they're changed. 
We are changed. I am changed. So I want to bring Jesus into the conversation. Can you go to the next slide? So, you know, let me paint a picture for how this works. There was, there was one time that a friend of mine, um, this young British woman, she's about 31, or 21, she said, I, I think I just want to walk the street and pray until someone takes us home, and then we're going to tell them about Jesus. And I said, okay, in Afghanistan, okay. So we did. We prayed, and we began walking the streets of this little bitty neighborhood, real winding streets in between the walls, and we're praying and praying and praying that someone will take us home. And we had no plan for what we were going to do when we got there, except that we were going to pray and talk to people and drink tea. And uh, we we happened upon a well, (laughs) and someone came and took us home. (laughs) That's pretty cool, isn't it? We don't do that in America. We don't happen upon a well, and we don't trust people to take us home. But in Afghanistan, that's what works. So we went into this house, and, and uh, it, a girl brought us home. She's about 15, 14-year-old girl, brought us to this family. And the people began gathering, and there were probably um, 16 to 20 people packed into this room, men and women, looking at the foreigners. It's great. Serving us tea, trying to figure out what we were doing there. And I wanted to say, we're here because you invited us in. But I didn't. We began to ask them questions. We wanted to get to know them as human beings, not come in with a plan or a program or this is what you need to know or believe before we walk out of this room. We wanted to know who they were. And it it turned out that this was a a people group. They were Uzbeks. They were an Uzbek family. They're um, Sunni Muslims. They lived in this little walled community through all the years of the war. And they were pretty poor, but not, you know, not super poor. It also turned out that they liked music and they liked dancing. So later we danced with them, not the men, just the women. We had a lot of fun with them later. But that day we asked them to tell us their stories. And as we did, my, my British companion and I were praying, and, and I was just asking, Lord Jesus, I know you're here. What story do you want us to share? And the only story that kept coming to mind was Gideon. And I thought, are you crazy? That's like, do you know the story of Gideon? That's too hard. So my, my English friend, she said, uh, she said, well, you know, do you have a story, Kate? And I said, yeah, but it's Gideon, and I don't like it. So let's pray. Let's get another one. <laughs> Anyone tell that story? So she kept talking, buying me time to get a different story from the Holy Spirit, and I didn't. I got the story of Gideon again. And here's what I mean by I got it. I mean, we're sitting in a house with about 20 people around us, and we're all talking and we're listening. And I'm aware that Jesus is here in this room, and I'm listening to Jesus, and I'm listening to the people in the room, and I'm listening to my my British colleague, and I'm asking the Lord, what what do you want us to say? And if I don't think of anything, I'm not going to say anything. How's that for American? Well, pretty (laughs) anti-American. I said, okay, and I would be happier with that than the story of Gideon. But I kept sensing the Lord saying, no, I want you to share Gideon. So I said, all right, I'm going to stumble through Gideon. So there I go stumbling through it. I don't have words for wine press, nor should I be talking about them in Afghanistan. So I really stumbled through Gideon. It was the worst telling of the Gideon story you can imagine. (laughs) Like if I were your Sunday school teacher and telling that Gideon story, you would fire me. It was so bad. 
But the good part, I got to the good part with the light. There's this part where the light is inside the jar and the, and the people go out and they crash the jars and the enemy runs away, which is really kind of a cool part of the story. I did that part pretty well. <laughs> Only that part pretty well. And the whole room just burst into conversation. And then the oldest, and it, the conversation stopped and the oldest woman who had the right to speak, you know, the elders speak, not young people. She leaned forward and she said, she said, we were like those people during the days of the Taliban, hiding behind our walls, hanging on to the hem of God's garment. Right? Wow. So here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking the Holy Spirit was pretty smart. When he said, hey, Kate, I wanted you to tell the Gideon story. And I didn't really need you to be all that smart. I just needed you to be faithful. To do your best. Not worry about what you can't do. Because I'm doing something here. We asked them to tell us who they were. We entered into their lives as human beings. Can you go to the next slide? We looked together toward Jesus. So once they said, look, we're holding on to the hem of God's garment, I said, hey, can I tell you a, a story about the honorable Jesus Messiah? That's what they call Jesus. I love that. And, of course, they said, yeah. So they leaned forward, and I told them the story of touching the hem of his garment. We look toward Jesus together. And that day in our conversation, this whole family of 20 people, their perspective, their story of Jesus changed. They saw Jesus in a way they never had before. They, they didn't know They saw his compassion. They saw his love. They saw his mercy. They began to get to know him. And over the subsequent months, my British friend and I continued to go back to that village. I loved it. I loved it because they were were actually rather sketchy people. Do you have that phrase, sketchy? They were, like if they were in America, they would probably have tattoos and Harleys. They didn't have those signs, but over the course of months, we began to realize that these these actually were rather sketchy people. (laughs) But they danced. (laughs) So we would go and we would visit, and and at that point, the men would would not be with us. We'd go and we'd visit, and the women would pull out their drums, and they'd sing, and they'd dance, and we would listen to their stories and continue to look toward Jesus together. And over the course of months, they came to know Jesus We didn't worry about theology. We introduced them to Jesus. Why? Can you go back to my slide of uh, the words? The blue one, the big blue slide. Because it's God expressed in Jesus who is in the room with us, who has the story of us, of you, in every moment of your life, who has been present, who has loved you with an everlasting love. See, when I first came to Christ, 
When I first put my faith in Jesus, I had this idea that now he likes me. Did you have that idea? Like, okay, I'm being faithful, so now he's really for me. Am I alone in this? Right? And And then it occurred to me that even at 15, even at 15, when I really was the kid that teachers would look at and say, man, that kid's never going to make it. Jesus liked me, loved me, was surrounding me, was calling me to him. I want to change the story from I'm all alone here in the middle of this world, whether it's Afghanistan or America, to, oh, here is Jesus. Because he is here and he is loving us. He is present in our darkest times, in our brightest times, in our more brilliant times. He's right here with us. And that, to me, is a gift. So I had the privilege to go to Afghanistan. And and I hope that some of you have an opportunity to take. Have any of you taken short-term trips? How cool was that? Very cool. That's a spiritual word. Very cool. Would you go again? Where are you going? Wahoo. Wahoo. Very cool. Because do you know what? Get this. Jesus is hanging out in Colombia. And, and he speaks with a Colombian accent. Just like he speaks Dari in Afghanistan. And for us, for us, it's the privilege. You know, people said to me, well, why in the world did you go to Afghanistan? Here's my answer. Are you ready? Jesus invited me to walk with him in Afghanistan. And I was crazy in love with him just enough to say, yeah, I'll go. And Jesus is inviting each of you to walk with him in very particular places, with very particular pieces. And your joy is found in saying, yeah, I'll go there with you. Amen? Can I pray a a blessing on you? Is that okay? So in Afghanistan, when we pray, we open our hands. It's just the technique. You can do it. Oh, he's only going to open one. Now he's got two. Lord, I pray you would give him a double blessing. And this guy a triple blessing. Lord, I pray that you would fill our hands with the joy of your love and send us out to the world to share that with everyone we come in contact with. Amen. Thank you for welcoming me here. Have a beautiful day.